Welcome to the Wondering Toward Wisdom podcast. Today, the last Wondering Toward Wisdom podcast before the national election. Once again, if you're looking for how you should vote, you're definitely not listening to the right podcast. But if you want to think about politics, rights, and yes, even issues like healthcare at a different level than what you're probably hearing from those clamoring for your vote, then perhaps you are in the right place. Of course, we would like your vote and your money but we'll never promise to make your life better if you send it to us. In any case, in today's episode, we discuss a bit more about rights and how they relate to law, how rights wielded against others is a veering away of the goal of rights, though there are times when this may need to be done. We talk about restorative versus retributive justice and wonder whether the latter is even justice at all. And we even talk about whether healthcare is a human right and what it would mean for it to be such a right. Wondering Toward Wisdom is a part of the Tactical Faith Podcast Network. Check out tacticalfaith.com, a nonpartisan 501c3. You can find blogs, podcasts, ways to contact us and support us if you'd like. If you want to contact me or Joel directly, you can send us an email at wondering at tacticalfaith.com or you can tweet us at wonderingwisdom. And in both those cases, there's an underscore where the A or the O would be in wondering. Enjoy. My name is Joel Schwartz. And if Travis says I approve a message, don't believe him. Welcome back to the Wondering Toward Wisdom podcast. Last time we ended with Joel not quite fulfilling uh, a promise to tell us whether healthcare is a right <laughs> and list all the other political things we should be voting on. Um, I'm afraid he may not do it, but we'll see if we can hold him to account here. Uh, but we, but he had, we'd been talking about Nicholas Wolterstorff's account of human rights. And one of the primary things that Wolterstorff says is this principle of correlatives, if I'm correct. Am I correct, Joel? So far? Yeah, I'm always correct. Uh, but uh, uh, this principle of correlatives, was suge- which says that if somebody has a right, then, then somebody, somebody else also has a duty to fulfill that right. And what Joel is going to do is he's going to either build off or completely reject this and show that Walter Storff uh, should come begging to Joel for the right answer. Uh, but we'll let Joel establish that. But so, so what is it about this principle of correlatives that is right? And where do we go from here? Okay. Well, one, one of the things about rights, and, and this is kind of a, a quick summary to help us all get back on track. Um, unless you're just binging this podcast and then you can skip the next 30 seconds to a minute. But when we talk about rights, we're we're talking about things that have a a social element to them. Um, Rights don't make a lot of sense unless there's some sort of social dimension going on. Um, And and that's what Wolterstorff is is getting at when he talks about this idea that if someone, if person A has a right, then person B has a moral duty to fulfill that right. He's saying, hey, we're connected to each other. And rights are one way that we can frame the discussion about how we're connected to each other, such that we understand that we're other people are dependent on us, we're dependent on other people to to help move towards our well-being, to to the fulfillment of our personhood, you could say. One thing we have to be careful about, though, is that this framing can be understood as saying, Hey, I have a right. You better pay up. Or, man, I I'm, I got to do this for this other person because they have a right to it. And th- that's kind of missing the point of what, what I've been trying to get at when we talk about rights. When we talk about rights, it's not just about 
what we have to do because that's what we're supposed to do. But there's an element of um, that that we're connected to each other in a more meaningful way than just I have to depend on you, you have to depend on me, and you know, really, we wish it wasn't this way, but it's how things work. To to get at this, Carol Vitilia was a personalist who became really famous for uh, under a different name, um, Pope John Paul II. But when when he wrote, he in his writings there's seems to be embedded in this in his writings this idea that when we talk about rights, it's more than just someone else has a duty. If I'm talking about my rights then I also have a duty. When we talk about you know me getting my rights, I have a duty to use the, the good that I have a right to, uh, to help bring about my true good. And not just for myself, but Vitilia says we're connected to each other. When we're working with people towards a common good, those people's goods are connected to my goods such that if I feel like I'm doing pretty good, and these people that I'm doing life with are not, then I'm actually not doing very good. Um, other people's good is connected to my good such that if I'm living out the fullness of who I'm supposed to be, then I'm also helping other people live out the fullness of who they're supposed to be. So, so well, let me let me interrupt you there because I'm I, and I may be jumping ahead to something that, that you're planning on getting to. But and again, I. I'm saying this in part for my own benefit, but also for those who might be listening that again, it's there, there are two things here. It's dangerous to think of this strictly in terms of, of how we normally think about politics. So when we're talking about, I have a right and, or you have a right and therefore you also have a duty. It sounds like we're saying something like, let's say I have a right to be to have roads and a military and firefighters and whatever. And therefore I must I don't know, mow your lawn or something by, by virtue of the law or something like that. Instead, it sounds like what you're saying is rights arise because we, we've been given a kind of nobility or art or honor from God. And nobility doesn't just sit in a castle thinking about how noble it is receiving, mm. I don't know, the honors of nobility, nobility a nobility is a reflection of one's place in the world in that you're serving others. And so you're given a kind of honor that we might call rights for this, so that because you inhabit a place in the world of honor so that you might act with honor. But, but if you're not doing the honor, we just like, all right, you lose your nobility. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you're saying that, that people lose their rights if they fail to do their duties. But the duty, but the rights are there because the duties, the rights and the duties are tied together with this idea of the nobility of humanity. Yeah, yeah. Another word that we could use is dignity, human dignity, um, which is an often abused term. Another abused term. Um, but when we when we talk about this, it, it's important to understand we're talking about a moral aspect of things. We're talking. We're not. I'm not saying that the government needs to sweep in and. Uh, structure all of these rights about our well-being, about our true good, um, in part because um, the, when the government passes laws, the laws are meant to be broad. They're, they are not meant to be uniquely applicable to each and every individual. And 
when we talk about the true good, when we talk about well-being, not only is it going to be uniquely applied to each individual, even in different situations, it's going to be uniquely applied. And so the law, let me come back to, to the discussion about the law, because I, I have some things I want to say about where, where the law gets rights correct. But I want to I want to bring back to that focus. What you, what you know we talked about uh, nobility or dignity. When we when we talk about rights, they're they're more of uh, like I said last time, maybe signposts or descriptors that if we're off track, then the language of rights, the language of duty, helps remind us what we're supposed to do. Or or if we need help, if we're not sure what the next step is, or we're not sure how we should handle something. The language of rights and duties can help us to understand what that is in case we're not able to perceive that for ourselves. If 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 understanding our nobility, our dignity, the dignity and nobility of others, if that is insufficient for guiding our actions, then this language of rights and duties helps gives us something to fall back on uh, to understand how we should uh should act morally. Right. So, I mean, what you're saying is something like, these aren't things that we normally, that we shouldn't normally have to think about. What you do is you live in community with those around you and it naturally arises. And then the language of rights and duties kicks in when things are failing. When things are failing or when, when they're unclear. Um, Okay. I got you. And, and you know, the, this nobility it's not just your own nobility. It's also the nobility of others. It, it's this mutual recognition. And if, if you are striving to mutually recognize each other's uh, nobility, each other's dignity, and you're, um, and you're looking to promote that at, at each turn, your rights and duties probably aren't going to be discussed very much. But we we live in community with people that we don't always know very well. And so sometimes the language of rights and duties is necessary to help us be clear, uh, to help clarify what we should do um, for, for our, our neighbors and those that we're in community with. Okay. Can, now, I, can I ask you, can I ask you a quick question about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so how I've often thought about this, so you can consider something like a marriage or something like that. So a marriage shouldn't be, if you're bringing up the language of rights and duties in marriage on a regular basis, that's a sign that there's probably something wrong. Either that or you're writing a dissertation on rights and duties and talking <laughs> right. about it with your spouse. And if you're writing a dissertation, there's something wrong. But, uh, <laughs> Fair but, enough. but uh, I normally, I've always considered this something where like, this is how we normally think about law. Or maybe, maybe I mean, and not necessarily uh, law in terms of civil law or or political law or whatever, but but even ethical law, where it is when things fail that the law kicks in and says, wait, 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 you know, don't do that. But just fulfilling the basic elements of the law. So let me let me use the example of marriage. So you know, if you're getting along fine, you know, you don't even think about law. You're just, you're loving one another, so on and so forth. But there might come a point where you, I don't know, you decide to commit adultery. And when you do that, the law arises and says, no, you shouldn't do that. But at the same time, not committing adultery is not sufficient to have a good relationship. So that how I've thought about law, and I'm trying to get here something about the way you use rights and rights and duties language. Law is never, and this way of thinking about law is never enough to 
to make the thing good. It's always a, it's like an, it's like a, a fence at the edge, just like a society with a series of laws. Uh, I mean, it depends. We could have laws that, that force you to be kind and loving to one another. I don't know how that would work. It'd be creepy, but, but let's, you know, it's like, if you're just not murdering your neighbors, and stealing their stuff, that's not sufficient to have a good relationship with your neighbors. So my question is, where do, where is rights? And so there's there's the healthy relationship where you're caring for one another. And there's the very edge <clears throat> where you're breaking the relationship by breaking, you know, where you've gone as far as you can to the point where you're actively destroying the relationship. Uh, where is rights and duties language in that spectrum? Or is it not even on that spectrum? <sighs> The the concern. Uh, so this is this is where it gets messy because um, when we start talking about law, whether it's ethical law, political law, governing law, civil law, however you want to uh, talk about it, when we start talking thinking in terms of laws, uh, they're going to serve as as limits as far as it, when they clearly delineate something. So if, um, you know, the example you gave about in marriage, you know, committing adultery, you've crossed the line, but not committing adultery is not sufficient for a uh, good marriage. Well, when we talk about ethics in general, we have to be careful not to fall into a mindset of what do I have to do? What are the actions that are necessary for me to succeed? Um, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but when, when in ethics, it's more about changing the way you see the world and then your actions follow. It's not so, so it's a much more holistic picture than just the actions you do. But what kind of person are you? How do you see the world? What are your initial impulses when you think about, when you experience things, when you see things? And it's the same kind of thing with when we talk about these meaningful relationships. If I look at my wife and I look at her and all I see is a list of actions I need to do to be a good husband, I'm not going to be a good husband. Instead, I need to focus on knowing her, being in relationship with her, knowing who she is and what her true good is, and then working to promote that to be a good husband. Now, sometimes because I'm not her, because I'm not the other person in these relationships, I might have a misunderstanding of what that good is. And so rights and duties language can kick in when I am doing my best, but I'm still not completely successful in, in my perceptions. Rights and duties can kind of help steer me back onto the path and not in a a mean way, but just kind of in a way that, so, so when my kids are looking for something and I know where it is, I don't tell them where it is, but sometimes I'll kind of look at where it is and they know that if they look in the direction I'm looking, they've got a better shot at finding it. That's kind of what rights and duties language can do beyond just the setting the bare minimum, helping us move toward that good is that when we're, we're going astray, rights and duties kind of help us to remind us where we need to be looking to try and see things correctly. Okay. So, so it seems like rights and duties language 
and again, I'm probably oversimplifying, but rights and duties of language kicks in when someone's motives are still are still relatively good. That is, they still care because rights and duties don't matter if you don't care. And when you don't care, that's when law kicks in. When you still care, but you need direction, rights and duties language helps clarify and direct. Yes. Uh, something and, and, like that. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, and, and we do codify some of these rights and duties into our law. Um and use the, that language in our law, but they are not exclusive to law. They can have purposes beyond law it's, to help us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's a bigger thing. Law is like a, a very, it's a small subcategory of rights and duties, but it's all, I guess the point I'm trying to make is law seems to derive from rights and duties. It's not, it's, they're not separate entities. It's like, it's like if we had a Venn diagram, law would be a a small circle inside of a large circle of rights and duties. Does that is that correct or law at its best? Law is. okay at its best, right? Yeah, um, be, because I mean, we, if we're starting to talk about political law again, about governing law, you know, they can pass laws that have really nothing to do with our rights and duty, our actual rights and duties, and or they can frame you know things in terms of rights and duties that aren't actually to the good of, of individuals. We need to be, we have to be careful when we, when we do that, because when we start talking about policy, like I said earlier, we start talking about things in too broad of terms to do much good beyond setting limits on us, kind of setting a, 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 not a jerk bar for us to clear that usually isn't very high or limiting our actions so that we're less of a jerk than we may naturally be inclined to be. When we're talking about rights and duties, the duty that is often missed that I, I want to say just a little bit more about is that duty to use the good to bring about a true good. Too often we're focused, when we talk about rights, we focus on giving the right to the other person or getting the right for myself. The problem with that is that we can start to become hoarders of those goods or or we squander those goods, but in either way we're being selfish. We're not we're not actually concerned about using the goods for our true good or the true good of others. And so but the the problem is it's difficult to look at other people, especially people you don't know, and know they're definitely not using, you know, squ they're definitely squandering or hoarding those goods. I mean, there's some obvious examples that we can can think of, but in a lot of situations, we just don't know. And so one of the things that I find in ethics is I have enough stuff for myself I need to be addressing. I don't have a lot of time to worry that much about other people when I'm, you know, doing ethical evaluations. So me putting the effort into using the goods of rights that I have to help me bring about my true good and bring about the true good of those that I'm in community with, that's enough for me to focus on. And that reminder is important for, for me that I need to be doing that if I'm doing that and you're doing that, we're all doing that. Well, it's all going to work out. We don't have to worry about, well, so-and-so over there isn't, isn't using that good. So uh, we should probably take it from them. 
you know, that that actually defeats the purpose. If a misuse of the good is 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 a problem, yes. But the way we solve that problem isn't by taking away the good that they need to flourish. We we help them understand how they need to use it to flourish. Okay, um, you you sound like you sound like Plato a lot right there. <laughs> um, the philosopher, not the stuff you. That's fun. But I mean, this is one of the things that Socrates brings up in his conversation, where he's uh, particularly the book one of the Republic, where he says, uh, you know. Uh, he's talking to a guy named Polemicus and Polemicus says, you know, justice is to give to your friends and your give everyone what they deserve. And my friends deserve good things and my enemies deserve bad things. And Socrates is like, you can't take the good and hurt someone with it. That's not how it works. The good always brings good. And so, uh, but that, that, that's interesting because then, because this, this says, again, my mind immediately goes to law. Do laws benefit people in some sort of way? So if we take someone and I don't want to get into any specific, well, I'm going to get into specifics, but uh, let's say something like the death penalty. I'm not arguing against the death penalty or for it, but it seems like there's a certain point where is, is there a sense in which the death penalty can be the good for someone? Uh, or can be being put in prison be uh, the way our prison system is be the good for someone. Can it lead to someone good? And maybe law is just a sloppy way of trying to deal with what, I mean, it, it does. It seems like a ham fisted way of dealing with rights and duties. Uh, it deals with two bro- law in terms of political policy, whatever, you know, broad policy. It seems like, it seems like you're trying to do fine work with your fists. And <laughs> uh, that's what it sort of feels like where rights and duties is far more precise and surgical because it deals with the particulars of individuals. Of, right is maybe that's another way of thinking about the two ways of dealing with it. it yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna keep pushing away from from law because I'm gonna keep bringing it up. <laughs> well, my my concern. Is, so when we if we focus on on law when we're talking about rights and duties or justice, then. I feel like we're keep we keep moving back to the political realm, it, well, it, or, I guess, or, or the governing realm, and and my my concern is that especially in the U.S. and and I don't think the U.S. is necessarily unique in this, but as one who lives in the U.S., I feel confident in saying we are so convinced that justice is what is done in the governing realm that we've lost sight of what does it mean for me to do justice in my own personal life. We, we read Micah six, eight and, and, you know, we, people love to quote it, you know, love mercy, do justice, you know, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. What does do justice mean? And I don't think anyone is going to admit that there, that, that, that it means, well, you got to vote for the right people and put the right policies in order. And (laughs) it's all at a higher, no, that's that's not what's going on. I mean, the if you think about how often during Israel's existence it was oppressed and not didn't have any say in the governing authorities and for it to hold on to this idea of doing justice, then it can't mean just that. It has to mean a whole lot more than that. And so my push away from law, away from from government is trying to say we have to worry about doing justice in our own lives, in our own communities, not with the government, because the government is almost always going to reflect the community, reflect the the way that that things are in the community. And too often, 
we seem to be content to say, I might not be unjust, but my the, everyone around me is unjust. And so we need the government to come in and make, make them just people. And so I'm going to vote for policies. I'm going to vote for people uh, because we need the government to, to make them, those unjust people, just people. And, and that's not how it works. You, you, the government, at, you know, at best, can restrain or offer minimal standards for justice, but it can't bring about the fullness of justice, of righteousness that we talked about a few episodes ago, about being right related to those that you're around. The government, you know, it's like when when your parents, when you were a kid and you were fighting with your siblings and your parents were like, get along. And it's like, you didn't really like your <laughs> siblings very much in that moment, but you were doing the minimum just because that was that what, what was what you had to do. But that's not love in the same way. It's not justice to just make it about the policy, to make it about the law. And yes, it's a minimum standard, but I am, I don't want to talk about the minimum. I want to push us further. I want to push us to, to the fulfillment of justice, the, this idea of righteousness, this idea, you know, we could even talk about shalom. This, you know, it's not like shalom is not, you know, as peace is not just not fighting with each other. It's living to promote the good of each other in a meaningful way. Yeah. So I think, I think, I mean, I mean, this is part of what I'm, this is part of what I'm, why, why I keep bringing up the law, strangely enough, is because I'm just showing how sloppy the law is and trying to achieve the good that we, because we all know the law is not sufficient, but we always use the law. Like how do politicians even get elected? They get elected by telling you that you're right and you need to use them to get at the other people. Yeah. Right. And this, I mean, you go back to first Samuel eight, like when, when Israel wants a king, and God says, God's, you know, Samuel ain't happy about it, but God says, look, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as king in wanting a king. And, and the goal was to have the king judge them and lead them in wars. Now think about that. The point is their communities weren't functioning properly. Samuel's kids were pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, and so they're looking, look, we just want someone to take charge and keep everyone in line. We need a big gun pointed at our heads and at our enemies' heads, and then that will be just. And God says they've just rejected me as their king, which is that's what you're saying. You're saying, look, let's 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 think about what it would be like. I mean, you haven't used this kind of language, but what would it be like if we treated God as our king instead of whoever we happen to elect as president or whatever? Right. And so, and so, what I'm saying is like is like the laws that we use, the laws we get so obsessed with, are ham-fisted, sloppy efforts to try to make other people act justly, yeah, which is yeah, not I, what justice is about. Yeah, I mean, the uh, I'm I'm certainly going to step on toes here, maybe even Travis's toes, but oh. The idea, the the fact that we have the phrase retributive justice makes no sense to me because justice, if it's about actually promoting the good of people and, and right, you know, restoring right relate or bringing about right relationships and such, then something like restorative justice is, you know, uh, is, uh, just an obvious truth. It's, it's a reiterate, you know, saying restorative before justice is just reiterating what justice is supposed to be. It seems like the idea of retributive justice is, is already setting it up in, in this contentious kind of way that I have to, 
you know, beat you into submission, have to pay you back. And, and there's, there's something to be said about, about punishment having a restorative function. But if you're just looking for revenge, that's not going to bring about the true good. Revenge doesn't bring about true good. Yeah, that's um, based on that's based on an agonistic view of society, right? Where I am yes. in competition with the with those around me, which is how we experience it very often. But that's exactly what Jesus came to say. Look, this isn't how it is. Right. And if you look at Jesus, he doesn't he doesn't get his revenge on Pilate and and the religious leaders. I mean, you might think, well, it is. I mean, I think we often think of it that way. Oh, he's going to come back and he's going to get his revenge, and it's going to be great. And I think I'm not. I'm not sure that's, that's like saying, again, that's like saying that Jesus is not a representation of the father. Jesus is a play act that the father who is all about retribution did for a brief moment because he had to make up for some mistake, but Jesus isn't actually the father. Is it he, or I mean, Jesus, I know Jesus isn't the father, Jesus is the son, but I'm saying <laughs> that Jesus isn't actually to see Jesus is not to see the father. To see Jesus is to see a mask that he had to put on for a short period of time. And mm-hmm. that is heresy. <laughs> like yep. that is straight up a rejection of scripture. See, Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. If you have seen him, you've seen the Father. What do we see in Jesus? We see Jesus going around and slapping everyone down because they hurt him. Yep. Because they said something <laughs> mean about him. Wait, no, that's not what we see. He washes his disciples' feet, including, including Judas. Yeah. Yeah. And and then and then when, when he's accused, falsely accused, what does he do? He's like, that's not true. I'm going to get you guys after you, after I have to go through this little thing that I got to do to save your to save you. But after that, I'm going to get you. Yep. No, Jesus just yep. like a lamb before his shearers is silent. I mean, there's just and as he's up on the cross, he doesn't say. Enjoy the time now because I'm coming back. He says, Father, forgive them, forgive them. Come on, that's crazy. But that's the point. Is anyway. Sorry. So you didn't no, step no. on my toes. My toes are way too. My toes are way too short to be stepped <laughs> on. But but the idea is like, like retributive justice. Again, it feels like a sloppy. It's like an echo of justice. We realize that justice is supposed to bring some sort of balance back, yeah. but that comes through forgiveness and embrace. But and so we we, we take the shortcut. It's like. I don't know. It's the it's the high. I think retributive justice is the high fructose corn syrup of justice. Well, I, I could go with that. Maybe that's maybe not the right way, to, but it's something like that. It's a it's a saccharine sweetness that is short lived, and right. and sloppy. But it sort of sort of reflects it's like a shadow of what justice is. Well, I I think part of the the appeal of retributive justice is that. Um, it's one thing for me to tell myself to forgive. It's a whole other thing for me to tell a person I've wronged that you have to forgive. And so yeah. when when we talk about restorative justice, if I'm someone who's wronged people and I'm all about restorative justice, it sounds a little self-serving. And really, we want we want there to be some punishment involved. And we want we want there to be some some at least repentance at the at the least and if there's not that then we, we need we feel like we need something and so i think that when i'm when i'm talking about these things i'm i'm trying for to focus it on myself and what how i live and encouraging people to do the same but I, you know 
I say all of this with the realization that if if you if you're someone who's been you know deeply wronged, having the person who's wronged you tell you that you need to forgive is uh, highly problematic. It's highly concerning. It's it's a bit tone deaf. It doesn't mean that we, that's not what we're supposed to do. It it just means that I might not be the the best messenger for that. Um, and, and yeah, well, and, no, but this but this is interesting because what what it means is that this call to justice and call to mercy is a very personal thing. Yes, like it is. It, as soon as I wield it against my neighbor. I'm not even talking about the right thing anymore. I'm not talking about justice anymore. It needs, I need to, this maybe isn't the best language, but I need to wield it against myself. I mean, that's not even quite the best language because that sounds like something not exactly what we're talking about. But there's a sense in which it, it is to cause me to reflect. It's a good that's calling me. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a way to get my, to get my neighbor to do what I want my neighbor to do. But right. my neighbor should also be doing it. Um, now that that leads to the question of whether there's a place for us to, you know, maybe a little bit of Matthew 18, you go to your brother and, you know, if your brother sinned against you and then the church comes in, but your goal is always to restore. 1 Corinthians 5, which is like the harshest judgment language you can find in terms of what the church is supposed to be doing. Hand this man over to Satan. It's pretty strong <laughs> language. Yep. But the goal is still restoration. Yeah. It's not to make him pay for his deeds. It's to it's to make him realize what he's missed and to call right. him back. Yeah, yeah, and and this is this is you know gets back to you know the discussion about rights and and duties. You know, rights are about helping people towards that true good, towards restoration. And so when when rights have been wronged, um, you know, we we want to bring about restoration, not not punishment. We want to bring about restoration. And, and this is where, um, you know, I, I could, I could pull the, Oh, look at the time again, but to, to get into that question about healthcare, because healthcare is such a tricky thing because we want people to be able to get the care they need to, to physically flourish in life. We, that is a good thing. However, where it becomes tricky is that is a good thing that other people are have to be trained to provide. And so if healthcare is a human right, by the definition of a human right, that where it applies in all times and all circumstances, then that means that anyone with medical training has a moral duty at all times to provide that healthcare regardless of what the per, what the medical professional is doing whether the person can pay if it is a human right in the way that we want to to use that term more often than not we 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 are placing significant demands on a certain group of people who have who have trained certain training that we don't place on everyone else and so when we talk about healthcare as a human right, we also make the mistake of saying, well, I have a, have a right to healthcare. You guys all have a duty to pay for that. So I don't have to kind of thing. What if, what if, I mean, I, I know we are kind of running out of time, but maybe if we, what if we thought about healthcare or something like this, 
So maybe health insurance, because we're usually talking about health insurance when we talk about this. But what if, what if we said, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of how we could put this into this principle of correlatives, but develop in terms of a personal sense. So maybe I have a right to health care, but I also have a duty to do everything I can to be as healthy as possible. I, I think that that's a part of it. Um, you know, if, if we're going to, to have a right to health care, then, then we have to use that health care for a good. And, you know, taking that and putting a bandaid on the problem and not actually addressing the problem is a misuse of that, of that good. Another thing that we can work for is we can say, yeah, I, I want that for my neighbors. And so I'm willing to do X, Y, or Z to help my neighbors get that. And we can talk about it in a moral sense as in this is something we should be striving for. Now, the policy on how we make that happen, we can discuss till we're blue in the face. And I'm not sure we're going to be able to definitively say one way is the moral way to do this. But should we as Christians be working to to help people get the health care they need? Yes. Should we as Christians be helping people uh, figure out how to use the healthcare in ways that help make them healthier people? Yes. Should 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 we be doing all of these things, you know, together in our communities, uh, as opposed to looking to the government to as as the only way of solving this? Yes. Now, can there be policy passed to help with this? Yes. What that policy is, we can discuss, and we will, you know. And, and we can discuss till we're blue in the face and, and which one is the right one. I don't know if we'll come to that conclusion. When I, so I'm, I'm willing to say, yeah, there's a right to health care, a moral right to health care. But how does that play out in our lives? I can th- think of ways that it plays out personally. The policy, it's going to take someone a whole lot smarter than me to figure that out. Okay. But so let, let me, let me, so when you say it's not, I mean, this might have to go into the next podcast when you say it's not a human right, but it is a moral right. And that we are called, a, and that it's a good that is drawing us. So it seems like some people, we, we, we've gotten to the point where we can only think, we, we can only think in like, there are, if it's a good thing, it has to be a human right. Let me rephrase that. Okay. I, I'd even be willing to say it's a human right, but not necessarily in the way that the UN wants to talk about human rights or that it's not a human right that can be clearly legally codified. Interesting. So, so it's, it's something that we can say, yes, we should be striving for this, but the, how we strive for this is so complex that legally forcing it in is, is not clear how to make that happen in a uh, in a positive sense that that gets at the true good of what we're talking about because because of that uh, correlative duty, you know when when we talk about you know these rights we we have to be focused not just on you know yes it's good for me and I need to be responsible but but making sure that we're we're working toward the good of of all the people and when you start having rights that require a certain group of people to do certain things that you're not asking everyone else to do, 
that's where things get really messy really fast. And and it, it can become almost like a form of slavery in that you maybe you're remunerated for your work, but you're you may be forced to go places, live places, do work that you don't want to do. And that's part of that's part of the issue, right? Is it brings out this element of it it's sort of it starts trampling on other rights. And it seems like if you if you pick up a right and this is my sloppy understanding of rights. If you develop a right that tramples on other rights, you're probably you got something wrong go, well, when, going wrong. When we talk about the common good, the common good should promote the good of all the individuals, not not uh, work. It's not that we're asking one individual to sacrifice for the good of everyone. It's we're all working toward the good. And if if the common good is requiring one individual to sacrifice their own good for the good of the many, we're not talking about common good anymore. We're talking about some sort of uh, utilitarian right. idea of justice. This takes us back to those who walk away from Omelis. So, yes. yeah. Okay, great. This has gone a little long, and this is the last podcast that's coming out before the election. So we're going to shift away from politics a little bit. And, um, you know, in, in our next episode will come out the day after Election Day. And we've got we've got a special, special topic for you guys uh, that's very appropriate for the day after an election. And should we spoil it for him or should we make him turn in, tune in next week to find out what it is? I think we should. I think we should leave it as a surprise. Everyone will probably be either in despair or in elation, depending on or unclear about what actually happened <laughs> Dep- and, depending <laughs> and, and and the topic is appropriate for all three situations right so, so we'll, we'll leave it as a surprise so the big idea i hope that you've got a better sense of what does it mean to be just for you how to do justice yourself like i've said policy matters but it matters more about you being in your community doing justice to in your relationships being right related to those around you and um keep that in mind as the heart of what politics is supposed to be especially for a christian as we live in the midst of a very politically contentious time amen all right i think those are those are good words so i we appreciate you guys listening uh join us again next week uh until then i'm joel i'm travis have a great day Joel Schwartz, Travis says, don't believe him.